The Better Business Analysis Institute presents the Better Business Analysis podcast with Kingsman Walsh. everybody and welcome back to the Better Business Analysis Podcast with Benjamin Walsh. And today we are going to be focusing on some business statistics that every business analyst should know. Okay, they're key business statistics that you should really be aware of when talking to the leadership team or monitoring as a business as a whole. Um, So we're going to go through the list. Um, It's not you know, there are quite a lot of statistics that you can know, and I'm just going to talk about 10, okay? The, what I think are the top 10 business statistics um, that will give you an idea around the performance of the organization and provide insights into the your organization's overall health um, and allow you to kind of track progress or identify areas for improvement. It also helps make informed decisions. So a lot of these key indicators uh, may be tied up in your objective statements or your strategic plan. So it may the first one, for example, is, number one is revenue. How much money is your company generating? And of course, that there, revenue, um, is usually could be a factor in terms of increasing revenue by 10% year on year. Um, sometimes that's actually a pretty, pretty uh, important stat. Uh, we'll talk uh, talk about how revenue plays into something called EBITDA later. Um, but revenue is a key underlying stat that um, you should really know. So I will say that it depends um, when I when I say you should know this. Um, it depends on kind of what be, kind of BA work you're doing. But if you're a business owner or you are uh, dealing with the executive team, revenue should be um, open and honest there. Um, sometimes it's locked down to a management team, especially if the figure is sensitive, aka uh, things aren't going very well. Um, so you may have some trouble uh, finding out what these <laughs> numbers are in your company. I just wanted to say that straight away. Um, but your business should be tracking these. And if you're a startup company, you want to be tracking these from day one. Okay, so we're going to get straight into the t- the 10 key business statistics every business analysts should know. Starting with number one, which is revenue. Revenue is the total amount of money that a company generates from its core business activities, okay? And it's usually the sale of goods or services. It's generally the main revenue stream that companies uh, generate from, unless they're a financial firm and there might be things, other uh, revenue sources that they can have, or you're leasing out buildings, which could be a revenue stream. The primary uh, revenue that you really need to worry about as a BA is the uh, sales of goods and services, okay? And that's by its core business activities, and of course, core business activities are just processes. Um, revenue is a critical metric. <laughs> um, it will talk about, it's the company's top line in terms of growth and profitability, and really having strong revenue is the most important uh, factor in terms of growth of your company. So if you don't have strong revenue, then you need to start reducing your cost. Um, and, you know, things things don't look good. So number one is revenue. Uh, if you don't increase your revenue, then you're going to look at restructuring and lowering costs, and things uh, are not going your way. It's usually a key indicator that you um, either the market itself is experiencing a percentage um, 
revenue kind of drops so you know consumers aren't spending as much money but if that revenue drop is not consistent among your competitors so if other your competitors aren't experiencing let's say a 10 percent drop and you are and they're only experiencing a one percent drop then there's something wrong with your core business or your core offer so red flags um your sales team may just not be performing um they just may not be as good as the competition being straight up there uh, at getting deals um new business is so important here revenue is so important and a lot of people it gets there are so many statistics and we're talking about 10 today so so you know that even even summarizing in terms of 10 people can get so caught up in other factors that they miss that revenue isn't strong almost and your costs are reasonable sorry that's the flip side then you know there's there's nothing else your business is in is in the poo so uh, revenue is definitely number one number two is gross profit margin or sometimes just referred to as gross margin uh the profit margin sometimes and we talk about gross and we talk about net and we'll start with gross so gross profit margin is the measure of the company's profitability before deducting operating expenses okay so I'll, what does that mean ben it is calculated by dividing the gross profit okay by revenue so we're going to talk about what gross profit is so revenue minus the costs of the goods sold so uh gross profit is effectively um what you earn um before your 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 costs uh sorry so your, so your gross profit is your revenue so how much money you came in and minus your cost is your gross profit so it's the difference between your revenue and your costs to uh, generate that revenue okay so gross profit um is your revenue minus your costs now if we take that gross profit figure so let's just i'll just give you an example so it's very very clear so let's say you earned one million dollars in revenue so one million dollars was paid in invoices to your company for your goods so you earned one million dollars and and it cost you in order to generate the revenue all the costs of the business um all the standard cost of a business cost of goods like paying staff let's say and 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 all the materials it cost to deliver those services cost you eight hundred thousand dollars then your gross profit is two hundred thousand dollars revenue minus your cost of goods sold okay so that's two hundred thousand dollars so that's your gross profit and then if you divide the two hundred thousand dollars by the million dollars which is your revenue you end up with a gross margin so in that case it's 20 percent so your gross profit margin equals 20 percent a higher gross profit margin indicates that a company is effectively converting sales into profits so we talked about the flip side between the fact that uh, revenue is critical in terms of the growth of a company it can stand still and your revenue could be could be stagnant um but your if your costs of goods remain the same or go down your costs go down then you can still be earning a profit however if your costs are going up and your revenue staying um staying still then what you see is that your gross profit margin is going down okay so it's just one easy figure instead of a number like two hundred thousand, which is your gross profit uh gross profit margin is is a percentage 
is very helpful because you you can measure that figure and it's probably the number one figure talked about so revenue and gross profit margin are the two figures that management talk about so they go we earned a million dollars in terms of revenue and our margin was 20 percent and and that figure that 20 percent figure um is actually kind of you can benchmark that against other industries and in some industries that figure is higher and so you, you know people are making a 30 percent margin is how it's discussed um and then maybe in a um for example a supermarket the margins are actually lower so it's about the amount of sales and we'll, we'll get that get to that bit in a minute so their margins are actually little it could be like five percent or two percent and that's okay because of their business model but say you're selling a luxury item uh, like a sports car or um, a shop um, your margin needs to be high higher than that um, and so depending on your industry that's um, that that'll indicate a figure and the most important is the trend of that right so when you start up or go through some drama uh, the, if that percentage is going down then it indicates that something's going either your cost um, are going through the roof or your revenue is starting to um, you know fluctuate and, and maybe not go in the right direction so growth is stalled so gross profit profit margin is really important um, also when you think about um, the like if you're investing in a company or you put my, your money in the bank you get interest uh, this figure is very similar to that figure when discussing whether or not it's worth investing in the company okay depending on how much margin it makes so we're going to quickly so that's your gross profit margin and then we're going to move to number three which is your net profit margin so net profit margin is the measure of the company's profitability after deducting all operating expenses including taxes okay so when we talked about the gross profit margin there were things we could control that was the how much cost we spent to generate the revenue whereas the net is generally there are other kind of expenses that a company has to run like maybe um depreciation on assets and all all these accounting figures but the biggest one is probably tax right so if you paid your tax how much you got left so net profit margin is calculated by dividing the net income so that's revenue minus all expenses by revenue okay so as opposed to a gross profit margin which is revenue minus the cost of goods sold so the the bits you can control um you know people costs and costs that go into delivering the actual end product or service uh net profit margin is revenue mining all expenses so every single expense you have the car expense the the tax expense you know it's all the costs of doing business not just generating the service that you provide the so revenue minus all of your costs just like you might do at home with your budget so you know your um, income for the year minus all the things you have to pay um everything uh, and you divide that by revenue so again the uh, net profit margin uh, is really clear uh, and we talk about this a lot too so it indicates more than just the when we talk about the gross profit margin that's kind of just looking at uh, delivering the services net profit margin a uh, higher net profit margin indicates that the company or organization is effectively man managing its expenses all expenses and generating profit so um, you can look at the difference between your gross profit margin and your net profit margin and one really good example here is that if you were a company that generated money through people like a recruitment company for example 
or a consultancy company where you're charging your client um, a rate to do business, if there was a massive difference between gross profit margin and net profit margin, it would mean that your back office staff, not the cost of goods sold, which are the people going out and doing the work, but that the, the people cost and the location costs of uh, your organization, the ones that don't generate profit, just are a, a, what we call a sunk cost or just a cost that you need to do bus- um, back-end business, your back-end function may be too big uh, or it's inefficient. So that's why gross profit and net profit are interesting. And then, of course, revenue. Uh, so that's how we, and, and, and these are really important because you can't, you really want to be able to monitor these figures on a dashboard. And those three figures are so important. So revenue, gross profit margin, and net profit margin. And then, of course, you can look at all the costs. Um, once you, but costs are divided into different categories, like your expenses, it becomes a little bit harder, then you have to do some more analysis. So it's a bit like your own home. Um, you could say, when you pay all your bills with your income, when you pay all your bills, uh, what's left? Um, you know, when you when you pay the mortgage, that's probably your biggest expense um, and food cost. And then you could say that all the other expenses are a little bit more optional, like if you go on a holiday or you buy nice cheese this week or you, I don't know, um, buy pay off a nice car, that's probably more like your net profit margin. So, um, so you have a bit of a choice between your gross profit, what you have to have, and then your net profit margin. Okay, so they're the top three, revenue, uh, gross profit margin, and net profit margin. And people sometimes just say words like, what's your margin? Um, petrol companies do that. Um, I worked at a large petrol company here in New Zealand. I mean, it's now an energy company. Um, doesn't just do petrol, but it was uh, revenue, and they were talking about margin. They talked about volume, so the amount of sales they got. Um, and those figures uh, in a petrol uh, business Generally, your margin is low, uh, sometimes regulated, so you can't earn a certain amount. But of course, if your <laughs> petrol prices go up, so does the amount of money you make. Um, yes. Okay, cool. So if we now move over to the number four stat, and this is, look, I have chosen stats that are more customer specific um, because we're living in a customer focused world. So these are not necessarily the figures or the stats that um, when you started doing business in the 80s, uh, you might have come up with, but these are actually really critical in 2023. So the next one, I think, is customer acquisition costs, um, sometimes an acronym of CAC. So customer acquisition costs is the average amount of money a company spends to acquire a new customer. So to acquire a new customer, to buy a new customer, and it might sound a bit weird that we buy customers, but we do. We buy a customer through the spend on sales and marketing. So all the expenses for sales, all the marketing plans, campaigns, how much do you spend on that? Well, that is what you do. That's the activities that you do in order to sell your product. Um, You know, knocking on doors doing campaigns, that is all your acquisition costs. And we need to take that total cost, so let's say that's 100000 a year, that's very, very light, of course, um, and say for $100,000 a year, we acquired, we, we spent on sales and marketing, and we acquired uh, 1,000 customers. Okay, so you would take the 
1,000 customers and you would divide that by your cost. And then that would give you how much it costs to acquire a new customer. So in this case, it would be $100. So we've worked out that as $100, we, we pay $100 in order to, we spend $100 in sales and marketing in order to acquire one new customer. And that's so important because that figure, depending on what you're selling, uh, if it costs us $100 to uh, buy a new customer and we're just selling them a one-off product, which is costs $100, then you're not... <laughs> You might be making money, uh, but your costs, uh, you're just covering your costs, right? And, 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 and we're only talking about sales and marketing. There's all the other expenses in your company. So it's a really important figure to work out. Um, but also people, under the, in saying that, it's not always bad. Sometimes people uh, don't do enough in sales and marketing. Uh, they're making, when they sell their product, and they've got a, um, a highly sought-after product or a, a great product that people want, uh, and they've got a good price point, and they're making good margin on it, like we talked about before, um, they might not be spending enough on sales and marketing. So you really need to know how much does it cost for us to acquire a new customer, which is your CAC, your customer acquisition cost. How much does it cost? How much do we spend sales and marketing to acquire one new customer? Really critical. And that figure plus the figure you make on your individual product uh, sale is really important. And that leads us on to the next figure because it's um, you'll see this with subscription type businesses, right? You sometimes uh, look at subscription type businesses, and I'm going to use an example. I'm going to use an example of a pet uh, online pet store that sells, say, cat food. Um, you know those la large bags of cat food that you might purchase every three months. So let's say you purchase it every three months. It's four times a year. Right, and um, and maybe you keep buying it from the same company for at least a year, okay? And each bag of cat food uh, you spend, uh, you buy them for, say, I don't know, they cost $100, okay? So you're spending $100 in, in the third month, six, another six months later, you've spent $200, uh, and then three quarters of the way through the year, you've spent another $100, bringing it up to $300, by the end of the year, you would have spent $400 in cat food with this one company, okay? And that figure, the if say, and you may, have, you may stay with that company for a long time, but let's just say you, on average, you stay with this company for a year. We have a figure, number five, it's called Customer Lifetime Value, CLV. Customer Lifetime, uh, lifetime Value is the total amount of revenue a company expects to generate from a customer over their lifetime. So let, we've worked out that the average customer, in this case, will do four purchases of cat food. So we just look at our, you just look at our, our revenue, and right, we can we can we can we can easily work that out. Uh, it is calculated by multiplying the average purchase value. So looking at all your uh, line items in terms of purchases and working out the average. And then we divide it by uh, the average customer lifespan. So you should know how long your customer um, is with you, has been doing business with you. And a higher CLV indicates that customer is building strong relationships with its customers, right? So when you are selling a commodity good, a commodity good is something that you can get pretty much anywhere. And there isn't much of a difference between products and you don't have much loyalty to the company you're buying it from then sometimes uh, customers' CLV, their, their lifetime value is quite low, 
And so they'll do lots of marketing to try and keep you on board with that company. And the reason I give the pet example where I've just said they've worked out the average customer spends, let's say $400, you know, uh, that's through four transactions over the year. They've worked out the customer stays with them on average for a year um, and buy four transactions with $400. Um, the reason why that's important with the cat food example is that now you find that they offer you a cheaper price if you sign up for a reoccurring um, office, right? After, instead of doing a one-off purchase for four, four, you know, every three months, they actually offered you a discount, so they've worked out um, that they can um, they can you can uh, they can offer you a discount of say twenty percent if you stay with them uh, or sign up for for longer than a year, for example. You know, cancel any time, but it's cheaper. And if you don't remember, then you're going to be spending it. So that provides them with that company with two great advantages. One, you might forget, so you're on a you know all the advantages of subscription based is that you know people forget that they've got a subscription. So they'll send you the good, and so they've got guaranteed income. Uh, You've also, yeah, you've signed up, so your customer lifetime value is higher. And also then, the reason why this is really important is when you think about um, the sales and marketing that they can spend to acquire you, your customer acquisition costs, if it costs them, say, $100 to get you, uh, basically, to market it to you as an individual, as that's their customer acquisition cost, then I want you to stay for at least a couple of the sales, right? So I can afford to drop the price um, because I know I'm going to uh, keep you for a longer period of time. And it, and then I can, and if I've worked out that that's a good amount of money, then I can spend more marketing and getting more customers. And so these figures are really important, especially in the marketing space. So customer lifetime value is how much of the total revenue a customer expects to generate from you. Uh, basically, you as a customer over your lifetime, and that's that's important too. Because, uh, like I said, uh, if that is low, um, then it will indicate that there are people that don't have loyalty with you, and they don't have a strong connection with you as your company or your brand or your differentiator. Okay. Number six. So number six is the customer churn rate. So the churn rate is the percentage of customers who stop doing business with a company in a given period. Okay, again, so this talk, this is really important. So their lifetime value is around the total amount of money we make for a customer, right? But also you can work out the number of customers you lost by the uh, right by the total number of uh, customers that you had at the beginning of a period. So if you had a hundred customers um, within a three month period but you lost, um, I don't know, 50 of them, then your churn rate is high. And that's about retaining your customers. So when we talked about, uh, so customer lifetime value and customer churn rate are linked in some ways, but you want to keep customers. And so it's around not um, just acquiring your customers, but keeping your existing customers happy. Now, with a ex- subscription type business, cat food, it's bit more of a commodity transaction but if you're talking about maybe doing business say you're a um i don't know a company that's supplying an international airline um if you lost a customer um a couple of customers over the year that could be critical to your revenue and, and that would shock you so your customer churn rate should always always be measured as well 
That's number six. And then we'll move on to quickly to number seven, which is the conversion rate. Okay, so this conversion rate is around um, people knowing about you. So landing on your website, uh, your landing page. So they, you want to know that if your marketing is being effective or not by saying, well, if when we market to these people, so we're spending money, that's a cost that's going out no matter what, uh, to send an email or to um, update our website or to um, generate some ads. And then you need to know how many people are actually going to make a sale. So a conversion rate indicates that you're converting, uh, if it's higher, then it indicates that your website traffic is turning into sales or leads. Okay, and it might um, could be either of those depending on what type of conversion you're looking at. So in the sales process, you definitely want to lead. You want people to know about you, so you're me measuring awareness. Uh, but then you want to convert those into sales. But that might be your sales team uh, effectiveness uh, conversion for your sales team, and then your conversion in terms of your lead management. So if your conversion rate is low, then that shows you that your marketing is not effective. Hope that makes that clear. Okay. So these are all very web uh, focused, but they, they're applicable no matter what your type of business is. So those last four, customer acquisition costs, customer lifetime, lifetime value, customer churn rate, and conversion rate are really, really critical and very um, much more modern day business um, focused. But we're going to uh, finish off with three figures that are more kind of standard business. Um, one is number eight, which is return on investment. So you hear R, uh, ROI all the time. What is the ROI? And what that's about, and this is very relevant to business cases we talked about last week, is uh, return on investment is the measure of profitability of an, a certain investment. Okay. It is calculated by dividing the net profit from an investment, so how much money the investment made for that particular chain or investment or project by the cost of the investment. A higher return on investment indicates an investment is generating a good return. And when we talk about investors, they are looking for a return on investment. Okay. So if I am buying shares for your company, if I buy a thousand shares for a dollar each, I've got a thousand shares with a worth a thousand dollars. I would expect, most companies would expect a 10, 10 to 12% return on investment. That's a standard return on investment. So that share price didn't go up to $1.10 over a certain period, usually a year or so, then, and the company isn't generating a 10% increase um, in a year, it's usually not worth my time. Now, it can go up and down, companies fluctuate. But over a long two-year period, the average return on investment you would hope would be $10. Uh, sorry, 10% at least, 10 to 12% over a period. So some years it might be 20, some it might be 5. Now that figure there is exactly the same figure as we talked about before that you're looking at when you're like deciding whether or not you want to put your money in the bank or you want to put it in a company. And some companies have really, uh, some countries have really low interest rates. Um, I think the States does, and like it's usually linked to your mortgage rates, whereas in New Zealand, we usually have a little bit higher interest rates. At the moment, I think the average interest rate, for example, was around, for a mortgage, was around 8%, which is pretty damn high, and it's because uh, inflation's high, and that will probably drop soon, hopefully. 
And if you put money in the bank, the bank will, you know, make their margin and probably give you 6%. Um, so if you put your money in the bank, then you hope to get 6% back uh, years later, which is the benefit of having high interest rates. Now, if you're investing in a company, you're taking um, a higher risk than you are in the bank uh, most of the time. That, that would be the case uh, unless there was a global recession, for example. Uh, but that would affect the company too. And if the company was a large company and you knew all about it and they were consistent for, say, 50 years, generating a 12% return year on year, then, of course, it would be a good investment. But if it was uh, a, a company that you didn't know anything about, uh, you wouldn't just put your money in there. You would do something called uh, diversification then you invest in say maybe a portfolio but this is the figure that this is what people were talking about and if I own a company so if I'm the only shareholder if I'm the director for example I would hope to get 12% uh, back on my return or otherwise I might pull all my money out and put it in the bank does that make sense so the return on investment is very very critical uh, again that might be very hard for you to figure out in terms of um, the return on investment of your actual company, but you can use return on investment when you do your business cases. So is this project worth doing? Okay, then we're going to look at nine, which is the average order value. Um, so this is the average, um, the average order value, the AOV, number nine, is the average amount of money spent per order, okay? So it is calculated by dividing the total revenue by the total number of orders. So this is just indicating um, the size of purchase. So if you were, like, for example, let's use an example of a supermarket again. Uh, it probably isn't really that helpful to just have someone come in and buy one item. You kind of want them to come in and buy lots of items. And so because you've got a low margin, you really want people to come in and buy a lot of stuff at once. And especially if it costs you money to get them in the store in the first place. So you really want people to buy more stuff. So this is shows if your cross-sell and upsell strategies are working. And so you want a high average uh, order value that indicates that customers are making larger purchases. So that might be relevant to you. It is relevant to some industries. I think that's really important. Um, and, you know, buying the more uh, volume, for example, uh, that's really important. If you went to a petrol station, everyone was in the queue buying uh, $5 worth of petrol, uh, you're clogging up the lines, you kind of really want to sell them a pie and you want them to fill their tanks up. Um, so, you know, that could be something that affects your business. So that that's just something to uh, keep in mind. That's uh, more of a um, traditional value. And, uh, or, sorry, statistic. And number 10, number 10 uh, should not be um looked at lightly and you can actually this is actually a really 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 important um statistics and the statistic is your mps so we call that your net promoter score okay net promoter score is the measure of customer loyalty it's really really important it's a, a calculation uh, that's done in a certain way to really figure out who is advocating for you Okay, um, you calculate it by asking, basically through surveys. Uh, large marketing companies help with this, but you can do it just through a, through a Google form if you want to. Um, it is calculated by asking customers how likely they are to recommend your company to others. Okay, so we talk about this 
because we talk about the fact that if people are promoting you, they love you. They might like your product and service. They might like the fact that they can buy their cat food from you. But if they say they are bloody awesome and I'm telling my friends, that's showing you how um, your viral marketing is working. So a higher NPS indicates that customers are satisfied with you and they're all also likely to promote. So they're going to tell their friends. And that means your marketing is great, but it also means that they're really loyal to you, right? They've got more than just the superficial uh, connection with you. So um, usually sometimes when people go over and above um, with, with their service or, you know, they make a mistake, but they correct it really well, people go onto social media and they'll say, hey, look, I dropped my car off um, at the panel beaters and it was a wreck and I was really worried about it. And actually did such a good job. And then when I went back, they, you know, they told me what they did and they made it easy. And they gave me a car that I could borrow for free while my car was in the shop getting fixed. Uh, you may advocate for them. And that's, you can, uh, if, if you then got asked about, you know, Mark's panel beating store and it said, how likely would you be to recommend this company to your friends and family? And you were like, very likely. Uh, then that's a really good thing. And if they had lots of customers who were like that, then their net promoter score would be really high. And that's um, that's that's a really important measure. So they are 10 statistics that I think every uh, business owner and definitely BA should know about. Um, these stats provide valuable insights in terms of the performance of the company. Uh, it can help you make uh, more informed decisions around your operations, uh, indicator around profitability, and how you can reach the strategic goals. So hope you enjoyed the show. It could be dry for some of you, but these are stats you should really know. If you've heard something, an acronym, or you've heard a stat that you don't know about, uh, give it a bit of a Google, understand it. Um, there's some great material online. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next time. Thank you.